Hi, welcome to Harvest Church Podcast. We pray that as you listen today, you are blessed and encouraged. Thank you so much for listening in. If you want any more information about our ministry, we'd love you to jump onto our website, harvestaustralia.org. Have a great day. We're on the air, yes, thank you, thank you if you're welcome and good morning. I'm going to read from Mark chapter 5, um, given all sorts of orders what I'm allowed to say and what I'm not allowed to say, and as well as that, Facebook shuts me down these days if I make any political comments, so there'll be no political comments. Mark chapter 5, verse 24 through to verse 34. A large crowd followed Jesus and pressed around him. And a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had. Yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once Jesus realised that power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding against you, his disciples answered, and yet you can ask who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet And trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. He said to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. I've been reading through Mark's Gospel uh, lately. And one of the amazing things, maybe as you get older and you've read the Bible many, many times, one of the amazing things that I have found in reading it, is just how people relate to Jesus. And even just reading that passage, you know, for the disciples to sort of almost rebuke Jesus and say, you know, all these people pressing in on you and, and you ask who touched you, I sort of think, boy, I wouldn't talk to Jesus like that, but that's different. And then I was reading just the last couple of days, Mark 14 and uh, 13, 14 and then 15, going into the time when Jesus was arrested and put on trial and then crucified. And again, just to see the response to Jesus, how he was treated. And I found that it moved me in ways that perhaps it hasn't ever before, just to see that um, terrible crying out, you know, crucify him, crucify him, give us Barabbas. And I thought, you know, how wicked the human heart is, how absolutely wicked it is. And um, we can forget that sometimes. We can forget that uh, sometimes because we want to always be loving. And by the way, I'm not against love and I do like people loving me. And when Facebook shuts me down, I do get upset and cry for hours, you know, when they do. (laughs) But God's love is pure love. It's not soppy, it's not weak, and it doesn't condone wickedness. And there will be a day of judgment. 
and there will be an accounting. And so when, you, when I read those things, I think, you know, the human heart is so wicked. But what amazing love that God loves us and sent his son to redeem us. And this wonderful little story here of this woman who had, was suffering from this issue of blood, I see five things in it that are significant for a breakthrough in our lives. And it may be that you're here today and you know well and truly that you need some sort of breakthrough. You may know that life is not going well and things have got to change. Well, I hope, I pray, there's something in this story and what I'm going to say that will help you. So I have five things to say. First of all, I draw your attention to this, that I see that this woman had had enough. Someone once said that man's extremity is God's opportunity. Now, I heard that as a young person. Now, today we wouldn't say man's extremity. We would say humankind's extremity is God's opportunity. So that's where in life we come to the end of our tether. When it comes to a point where we seem there's no hope, nothing's going to change. It just seems like it's all, it's all over. This preacher I heard when I was a young person said that in that extreme time is God's opportunity to move in and act. You see, this woman, she had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had, yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. Twelve years of suffering with this bleeding and how much uh, drain that must have been on her body. And you might be like that. You might feel you've had enough. <clears throat> there can be all sorts of situations. There can be health issues. There can be relational issues. There can be other mountains that you're facing and you might think, Lord, I've had enough. I can think right now of some friends that I have who just seem to go from one deep crisis to another. And I remember one of those people saying to me even recently, I wonder whether we're cursed. You know, they sort of feel, how much more can I suffer? How much more can I experience? When we're in a time like that, it's not the end. It is an extreme time, but it's an opportunity for us to turn to God and for him to move. So it may be in your extreme moment, God's time to bring a change. She'd had enough. 12 years of it, but things were going to change dramatically. The second thing is she humbled herself. We read she had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had, yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. So she'd spent these 12 years suffering with this physical condition. She'd gone to uh, doctor after doctor. I don't know what sort of doctors it would have been in those days, the sort of people she sought spending money, and after 12 years, nothing changed. She continued to suffer. The people in the community, they knew all about her. Small communities know a lot about people. It's amazing how small at times the world is. Even in our world, we think, boy, isn't it a small world? People we, we meet and suddenly we find um, <clears throat> that, that we know a lot about them. I went to had, uh, and I told Sam I'd give him a plug. Is Sam here today? I can't see if there's anybody here actually, but anyway. <laughs> I couldn't resist that one. <clears throat> is Sam here today? Sam Masavi, is he here? He's not. I he, he cut my hair on Monday and I said, if you do a good job, I'll give you a plug. And he's not here. So I take it all back. 
Don't go and see Sam. Go and see somebody else to <laughs> catch your hair. Anyway, <clears throat> as I was sitting down and uh, talking, there was a young lady sitting next to me and something came up and, and uh, she said, oh, who, who are you? And I said, oh, I'm Barry Manuel. And she said, oh, oh you, I've always wanted to meet you. And I thought, oh, right. And um, I found out she was the daughter of someone I've known for many, many years who was um, a Baptist pastor, who is a Baptist pastor. And we talked, I said, oh, yes, I know your dad well and blah, 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 blah. I thought, what a small world. You know, you you go somewhere and you meet people. It's like that. People in that community would have known all about this woman. And yet she didn't care anymore. She was desperate for a breakthrough in her life. And so she was willing to humble herself and to go after Jesus and press through that crowd no matter what it meant. You know what? God likes humility. In Psalm 34, verse 18, we read these words. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. Isn't that a beautiful verse? The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. So if you're brokenhearted, if you feel crushed in spirit, the Lord is close He's not far from you. He's not abandoned you. He's not in a position where he does not care about you. He is close. And that's why you can reach out to him. Matthew 23, 12 says, For those who exalt themselves will be humbled. And those who humble themselves will be exalted. God likes humility. And then James 4, 6 to 7. He gives us more grace. That is why the scripture says, God opposes the proud but shows favour to the humble. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. It's very easy to be proud. It's very easy to have spiritual pride. But God resists the proud. Years ago, there was a a library in Adelaide called the Evangelical Library. Uh, It doesn't exist now. Times have changed. People are different. I think most of the books have been given to a Bible college. But in those days... This is going back a long time now. Um, I was on the committee for the Evangelical Library and had its annual meeting in Grote Street Church of Christ and the preacher was the Reverend Geoffrey Bingham. Some of you will remember Geoffrey. And uh, because I was on the committee, I was meeting him in the vestry beforehand and we were talking and he asked me, I knew him well, he said, how are you going? And I said, oh, I'm really under attack at the moment. Did you ever get under attack? That's a good Christian ease thing to say, isn't it? And I was part of that too. So I, and he said, have you humbled yourself under the mighty hand of God? <laughs> and I thought, what a terrible thing to say. <laughs> I didn't say it. I thought it. What a terrible thing to say to someone who's going through a bad time. I didn't say any more. So I went home and I thought about it. I thought, yeah, he was saying something to me that was from God. In this time, was I willing to humble myself before God and to submit my way to him and to let him work it out? This woman was prepared to humble herself. She didn't care anymore about what her friends, family or whoever else thought. She was desperate. And in her humility, she was heading to the breakthrough. And then she was determined to get to Jesus. 
You see, there was a crowd pressing around Jesus. That's why when Jesus said, who touched me, the, the disciples thought, well, what are you talking about? Everybody's touching you. They're all pressing in on you. And in her weakened condition, it must have been fairly difficult to press through. There would have been men there and the, probably all wanting to get to Jesus, all wanting to hear him. They weren't the least bit interested in, in allowing this woman to get through, but she was pressing through. She was determined. We read that when she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd, touched his cloak, because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. That's determination. Many years ago, I listened to a series of tapes on revival, actually, by Dr. Stephen Olthen. He was a Welshman, Welsh Baptist minister, eventually ended up in New York and became the pastor for many years of the very famous Calvary Baptist Church in New York. A very fine preacher, one of those old-style Baptist preachers, particularly the British Baptists produced, you know, and the sort of preaching, personally, I really enjoy listening to. You can listen to Stephen Alford on YouTube. You can listen to those talks on revival that I listened to many years ago. And he spoke about his father. His father had been a medical missionary with the British Baptist Missionary Society in Africa. And he, his father was recounting to Stephen uh, experiences he'd had and giving him some advice. He said, Stephen, I want you to remember this. Determination, not desire, creates a destiny. Determination, not desire, creates a destiny. Now, we desire a lot of things. Some of us desire to lose weight. Some of us desire to get fit. Some of us maybe desire to, to learn a musical instrument. Some of us may desire to learn to cope with the computers far better or whatever. There's all sorts of desires, but it never goes anywhere. We make our New Year resolutions and then we make the same one the next year and the year after. Determination is different. When we're determined, we actually press through. We act and we press through to see things change. Determination brings about action. And that's what this woman did. She was determined. She was not holding back. She did not care what people thought about her. She did not care how big the group of people were, maybe these big strong men. She pressed through. And we need to be determined. I don't think there's enough spiritual determination today. In fact, I think many, many... You know the terms woke? Are you familiar with that term? It's, it's a jargon word now people use it all the time are you woke and uh, <clears throat> well I think there is a lot of wokeness where we just complacently go along with the narrative the popular narrative and we're not determined to see a change we're not determined to do something about it ultimately we're not determined to pray you see I would think that the crisis particularly our nation is in and I'm not going to get too political we're still on Facebook I hope yes um <laughs> I would think the one thing Christians would be doing is really praying. That's what I would think. And I, I wonder how bad it's going to get before we're really moved to really pray. I wonder. Because let me tell you, I think it's going to get, get worse. But anyway, she's determined. And uh, she breaks through. But the thing is, part of her determination, she also has faith. Because Jesus says to her daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. 
Faith is necessary if we want God's blessing. Now, you've probably heard a few sermons on faith. I've preached a few. And I often think to myself as I come to this stage in my life, how can I help people to understand the core of what something is? Sometimes God's love, or the meaning of the cross, resurrection, things like that. Here's a little story that I hope will help you because Hebrews 11:6 says, Without faith... It is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Now, I remember when I was in primary school, we had a, had a reader and um, the only story I think I can remember is a story about Blondin. Who knows of Blondin? Who's... No, I can't see any hands. Blondin was a French acrobat. His real name was, my French is lousy by the way, Jean-Francois Gravelet in the 1800s. And I remember reading the story about him, how he'd got a regiment of soldiers with their bayonets sticking up and a tightrope over it and he, he walked over it. Because if he fell, he'd fall onto those bayonets. That, that story has stayed with me. You know, when I was in primary school about 25 years ago, I can, um, I can still remember it. And um, I read this story recently about him. I love the stories about him. Because he became famous for stretching a tightrope across the Niagara Falls and walking across it without any safety net. That's what he became famous for. And on this particular occasion, he was to wheel a wheelbarrow across with a bag of cement in it. And so he did. Across he goes. I think it's 1,600 feet. That would be the length. And that's about, what, 500 metres, for those of you who speak the other language. I still speak the old language. 1,600 feet means a lot to me. And if he fell, he would fall 50 metres, which is 160 feet. So, <clears throat> he goes, and of course, when he finished and got to the other side, they all clapped and cheered and think how marvellous it was. And he said, I wonder how many of you here th would believe that I could now actually wheel a man in this wheelbarrow across to the other side. And they all said, yes, yes. And he turned to report, sir, do you believe? Oh, yes. I, Blondin, I, I believe you can do that. He said, well, hop in. <laughs> and the man ran. <laughs> but eventually he found one brave soul who said, yes, I'll do it. And so he got in the wheelbarrow. And by, while this is going on, they all began to take bets. So they're taking bets. Will he do it? Won't he do it? And so he gets going and he gets to the middle. So he's gone 800 feet, 250 metres. And when he gets to the middle, some very nasty person, because there's the tightrope like this and there's guide lines either way, just keeping it nice and steady. And this man had bet against Blondin achieving this. And so he just cut one of the guidelines. And suddenly, you know, the tightrope goes like this. It's swinging wildly and madly. The poor bloke in the wheelbarrow... He's having a nervous breakdown. <laughs> Blondin just steadies himself. And he says, Sir, stand up, put your arms around my neck and your legs around my waist. And the bloke froze. He thought, stand up, we're going like this and this. He could see the raging waters below. Have any of you seen the Pinta Niagara Falls? Have seen it, that massive volume of water that comes over. He said, if you don't stand up, we're both going to die. 
So the man gets up, puts his arms around uh, Blondin's neck and his legs around his waist. The wheelbarrow goes flying down there into the waters. And then inch by inch, centimetre by centimetre, he finished and got to the other side and there's massive applause. But you see, faith is not simply believing it can be done. Faith is trusting yourself to the one who can do it. It's not just simply believing it can be done. We believe all sorts of things. And then a crisis comes and life changes dramatically. It wasn't that, well, it's now six years ago now because I asked Janet this week about it. Six years ago, she had this lump here just under her, her jawline there. And we prayed about it and it didn't go. So she went and eventually got tests. And one Saturday morning, and on Saturday morning, I bring my wife breakfast in bed. I'm not trying to big note myself. but I hope you're impressed. <laughs> and if you're a bloke, there's a suggestion, you know. That's something you can do. You can go. And uh, we'd done that and finished that. And the phone rings and she answered it and it was her doctor. And he told her it was melanoma and it was very serious. She didn't quite register what it, what it meant at the time. I think she might have been in a bit of shock. But anyway, <clears throat> after we, we sat down and thought about it, he said, you know, you have to do this, this and this. I'll get you into hospital quickly. It has to be removed. We went through that day and that night I, I probably watched um, the Crows play. I don't watch them as much these days as I used to. <laughs> and um, I, uh, Janet had gone to bed and I sat there on my own and suddenly fear gripped me because melanomas are not nice. It suddenly suddenly gripped me and I thought wow what are we going to do and I did the only thing I knew what to do of course I began to pray and ask the Lord for help and strength and guidance in this and he spoke to me a very very clearly a word which has been fulfilled it was six years ago and she had the surgery and everything and at the moment we praise God she's cancer free but at that moment when fear gripped me what alternative did I have I could have sat there like a, in, a, in a heap of misery and I could have perhaps blamed God because it's very easy to blame God when things are not going well. But by his grace, I trusted him and he heard me and he answered me. You see, moving from believing to trust is the important thing that we need to do. Faith is trusting. And that's what this woman did. She didn't just sit there going through all that she, she was experiencing anymore. She had to get to Jesus and she knew that if she just touched him she'd be healed that's faith but she had to <coughs> excuse me she had to act she had to really do something and that's what trusting faith does but the, th the other important thing of course is this the object was Jesus you know in verse 27 we read when she heard about Jesus she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. You see, Jesus was the object. Yes, she'd had enough. Yes, she humbled herself. Yes, she was determined to get to him. Yes, she was willing to trust him. But she had to get to Jesus. There was no other alternative. There was no other way for her to receive her healing, to receive her help, to receive her breakthrough. 
And there is no other way for us, ultimately, no matter what the crisis is, no matter what the barrier is that we're facing, no matter what we are going through, ultimately, Jesus is the answer. Ultimately, he is. And we must get to him. And yet I find that there are Christians who, I don't know, maybe we've given up, maybe we're in despair, maybe we're, you know, bitterness is a problem. If you're bitter, it will be a barrier to going to Jesus. I know that. But she went to Jesus. For I, I'm not sure now how long it is, maybe 18 to 20 years, but I have led teams of people at the Body, Mind and Psychic Expo, which is held every year at the um, Wayville Showgrounds. There was one in May this year. They're going to do another one in October. In the last few years, it's been really, really good. We've seen wonderful breakthroughs in our time there. But I was talking to Andrew Tainch about it. Some of you here will know Andrew and and he helped me in those early years and reminded me of how long it was and, and the experiences of the early days and that. And we see a real openness there. So I tell you this because this story that I read the other day really spoke to me. It's the story of Naella Rose. And she had been enrolled in a um, Waldorf Steiner School, Waldorf Steiner School in England. And she did that because her parents were liberal, open-minded Reiki instructors and they thought this occult-based school would be a real-life version of Harry Potter's Hogwarts and it would just be perfect for her. And so she says, Noella says, I remember sitting in the Pratigoyam and I felt the spirit enter me and I was instantly suicidal. I knew this was an outside entity and from that moment on I suffered from obsessive thoughts of self-harm and depression. It just hit me. Now, I'm well and truly familiar with that sort of response. We see many people who come to our healing room on Wednesday suffering like that. So she learned all the pagan rituals at the school, the worship of creation, tantra yoga, and empowering the feminine so that you would believe that you're a goddess. So she became to believe she was a goddess. She said, I was a proud pagan. I loved Mother Earth. I called myself a witch. I was into all these things. I was completely seduced by the idea of divine feminine rising. She became a New Age master. She conducted seminars. Hundreds of people attended it. She made a lot of money. She got a lot of fame. And she's now in the south of France getting ready to conduct a seminar. And one night, she has this dream. And in this dream... Jesus appears to her and she realises that it's Jesus. She'd never read the Bible, by the way, never been to church, but she realises it's Jesus. She was impressed and so she decided to put Jesus among all the other gods that she believed in. She said, I'm now confused. I'm making a lot of money and I found myself one night, the Holy Spirit speaking to me, and I just began to fall on my knees. And in one day, I went from being this egomaniac, thinking I was a goddess, thought I was healing the world, on my bedroom floor, weeping, and I trusted Jesus to forgive my sins. The fear of God came upon me. I literally felt like I could not go on, less, on unless I got forgiveness. I felt like I would die unless I was forgiven. The next day, I felt the spirit of Jesus enter my room and I just broke down and cried. She suddenly met two people who also were New Age 
goddess types. And they told her what had happened to them. Jesus had appeared to them. And they had had a breakthrough. And they said, we've got to find a church. And so she goes to church and she says this. There's nothing more empowering for me as a woman than to completely submit to Jesus Christ. I felt complete peace for the first time in my life. And I felt loved for the first time in my life. If you're truly an open-minded spiritual person, take a look at the Bible. Pray to Jesus. Ask for the truth. You shouldn't be threatened by the idea that Christianity could be true. You see, it was Jesus who set her free. Nothing else could set her free. I'm not against counselling. We advise people to get good counsellors and medication and whatever. But ultimately, the ultimate healer is the Lord Jesus Christ. And this woman, she broke through and she touched Jesus and instantly she was healed. Now, you might be facing your particular mountain, your particular problem. Maybe you've got to come to the point, so I've had enough. I've had enough trying. I've had enough trying to do it my way. I'm willing to humble myself. I'm now going to be determined to seek Jesus. I'm going to trust him. And then I believe you might be amazed at what will happen. Dear Lord Jesus, we thank you for your love, your grace and your mercy to us. We thank you that you are the way, the truth and the life. We thank you that you alone are saviour of the world. There is no other way but you. And I pray that today, if there are any people here who are desperate, struggling, that they'll touch you and find your healing. In your lovely name, amen.